Okay, you're going to talk into the microphone? Yeah. Okay, talk into hello. it. Are you saying hello? Yeah. All right, here we go. So we're going to say the episode today. So here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, this is five ways to avoid living with regret. Okay. So we need to say which episode it is. Say coaching for leaders. Coaching for leaders. Episode 171. 71. You nailed it, son. Great job. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly show to help leaders improve their communication, coaching, strategy, productivity, and personal mastery. Today, we are tackling the topic of personal mastery in a big way, five ways to avoid living with regret. And I was having a conversation a couple of weeks ago with my friend and colleague, Nathan Shubai, who was on the show about a month ago, talking about his work in Mumbai over a year. And I talked about his book. And I was sharing with Nathan that I had been reading some articles online from people who work with those at the end of their lives and provide hospice care or work in nursing homes. And I've seen a few of these articles over the last year or two on what are some of the most common regrets that people have at the end of their lives and what lessons that there are for us to not live with regret or to have those regrets when we arrive at the end of our lives. And he said, well, you know, I have a friend who has written a book on attending 30 different funerals and the lessons that she learned of going to visit people who had passed on and the great lessons from their lives that we can take into our lives. And so I am so thrilled to be able to introduce to you Allison Clark. Allison is with Allison Clark Consulting. She has a long and successful career in the training and consulting industry. And she is the author of the book, What Will They Say? 30 Funerals in 60 Days. Allison, I'm so glad to welcome you to Coaching for Leaders. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Dave. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am excited to have you too. And I'm, you know, this may sound like a, a weird topic for us both to be excited about <laughs> to some people. <laughs> um, but I, there's, there's so much wisdom of really looking at things, of, of beginning with the end in mind. And I, I'm just really curious, before we get into talking about some of the ways to, to avoid living with regret and the principles you found, how did you get started with this project? Yes. So it was about five years ago, and I attended my first National Speakers Association conference. And in that group of people, there's a lot of authors, about 70% of them have authored a book. And so they were asking me, you know, what's your book on? And at that point, I had not written a book. And as you had mentioned, I've been in the leadership coaching world for over 20 years. And there's so many brilliant leadership books. And I thought a different twist on leadership would be what happens at the end of someone's life because the people who attend your funeral are the ones who you really impacted. And so I had this idea, it came to me on an airplane and I just thought, I'm going to go to funerals. And I started to talk to people about it. And they said, that's brilliant and a little bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I went and I met with a 
a general manager of a funeral home here in Portland, Oregon, and told her my idea. And she, of course, loved that and told me how to, how to read the best obituaries, best tools online to read obituaries. And from that, I picked uh, 15 men and 15 women, completely random. It wasn't anyone who was super famous, but um, the range between 35 and 104 and a half was the age range that I went to. So I broke wow. it up evenly between men and women. Interesting. So how did you decide which of these to, to choose to go to? Was there anything in particular you were looking for or any kind of criteria you used? Or was it just what caught your attention on the obituaries? Yeah, you know, it, it was a variety because I wanted to make sure that I captured, you know, most age groups. I didn't want to go under 35. Uh, one in particular caught my eye because I love to personally dance. But this woman, she said she was always the first one on the dance floor. And I thought, oh, I, I already like her. So I went to hers. But it was really just I would read the obituaries. And, and what I also found is when I speak to audiences that how many people also love to read obituaries because they're fascinated with people's lives. Mm. So it was really interesting reading them, but there were just a couple things that perhaps stood out to me that, that made me say, okay, I'm going to dress up and go to that one today. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So, so you did this over the course of two months, 30 funerals in 60 days, which is, which is really amazing. So, um, so what we're going to do today is let's look at, you, you pulled a lesson from each of the funerals you went to. So in your book, you outlined 30 of the lessons that you learned. And so today we're going to look at five of them that you've chosen for us that you think are really helpful to our community and our audience. Um, so let's jump into the first one here. The first uh, lesson is listen and lead others to their own answers. Tell me more about that. Yes. Uh, with leaders today, it's so important to really listen and engage with your employees. And we all know that we get distracted with technology. And so many of the funerals that I went to, people spoke on how the person really gave them their full attention and they were there for them when they needed to be there. So this particular woman who I went to the funeral, she, this, her daughter had stood up and she said, she never told me the answer, but she always kept asking these open-ended questions that led me to my own answer. And in business and in your personal life, I believe that everyone could be more effective in listening because we really only have one chance to make a true difference. And if we can listen more effectively and truly engage with people, you're going to make a huge difference in your personal and your professional life. Mm, interesting. And, and, you know, I think um, from a parenting perspective, it is, it is so easy for those of us who are parents to sometimes jump in and to give our opinion and to give answers to our kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, 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 it's so interesting to hear that opposite perspective from at the end of someone's life, a child saying, you know, it was so valuable just to get the questions and to get that coaching from a parent. Right. Well, and then people find their own solutions more effectively if you truly challenge them to find it on their own. What is it about the way she said that or that experience going to that funeral that really struck you as that person having done that really, really well in their life? Well, one, because I believe it's so unique that people truly listen and give that time to others. And also seeing her daughter up there and seeing a very confident woman that she had become, I knew that that was, that was part of it because of the tools that her mother had given her to truly come up with her own solutions to life. Oh, interesting. Interesting. What a great gift to give her. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was, 
at every funeral, most I should I shouldn't say to everyone. Um, actually, I can say that at every funeral, I was going to say there was a a child speaking, and and all of them you could see the influence that the parents had. Mm. It, it, whether it be in confidence or they love to ski or you know they transfer to passion. So it's as parents, I think, because I'm also a parent of two girls who are 13 and 15. We really need to remember the impact that we have on them or not even if they don't, it could be an aunt or uncle that you could, or, you know, if you work in the community, but really the impact that you have on children. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the second one here. You, okay. you say, remember the value of face-to-face communication. And this is something that <laughs> probably there's an even bigger lesson here today than there was 10 or 15 years ago in the, in the mm-hmm. digital world, isn't there? Yes, it's huge. I, you probably see this a lot working with your clients as well as I do. It's people hide behind technology. They text, they email things that they would not have the courage to actually say face to face. And going to these funerals, I saw the power that these people had of actually making time to communicate face to face. So this particular funeral, um, the woman stood up and talked about her brother being an uncle to her kids. Mm. And she said, he wasn't just a signature on a card. He actually had that face-to-face time with her kids that made such a huge difference. And as I was sitting there, I thought, you know, so many people don't even take time to actually sign their name and write a card today, but he really made time to have with his niece and nephew to make sure he built that relationship. So in business, it's extremely important. And, you know, just to truly make time for people to see their face, you have such a deeper connection with them. And I know one of the things that a lot of us struggle with, Allison, I, I know I have, and I wonder if this came out in your in your your research too, is the kind of that dichotomy between quantity and quality time. And I think that sometimes a lot of us get hung up on the fact that, you know, I can't spend consistent time with a person, but but even sometimes just spending the quality time once in a while uh, mm-hmm. at the very least, can be very, very powerful uh, in in a situation like that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, even if it's once a quarter and you make time for someone perhaps you hadn't seen, whether it be a client or someone in your personal life, I believe that it's something that you have to be more intentional about because we all say, oh, yeah, we should get together. And then we don't. We don't, yeah. So really making it a high priority and to your point, making sure that you are making its quality and it, it's worth your time. You know, who do you really need to spend time with and then block it today as you block any of your meetings that you would have, block time for people to actually see them. I'm not sure if you can answer this next question because, you know, obviously the people whose funerals were attended, you couldn't, you never had a chance to have an interaction with them. Um, but did you get a sense, and for this person particularly, did you get a sense that that was something that they did very consciously or made time in their schedule or somehow prioritized that to make that a consistent piece of what they did? Or was it just something that came naturally to them? No, it was definitely something that he made time for. So intentional planning, effort, <laughs> consistency. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Yep fascinating. All right, let's uh I think this is a a good transition to the next one here which is uh number 3 do something unique and special for someone. Tell me about that. So, a lot of the funerals I heard different experiences that the person had created for others. So, one in particular was a gentleman who every Thanksgiving he would plan a fishing trip with his buddies. 
and he would do everything for it. So he would pack the lunch and it just was a really unique experience that they did. It was a tradition that they did every year. But I also heard about how one woman would make any event that she ever went to special. She would bring flowers. She would hug everyone and greet them with her energy. Um, Another woman stood up and read letters that her father had written her. And not only as a 92-year-old man writing her letters, but her entire life she remembers as a little girl that he made time to actually write her these letters. So it's, it's doing these things that leave a powerful impression on people to make them feel important. And, and at the end of the day, that's what people remember. It's the experiences. It's not the email that you sent someone. It's what you actually did and you took time to make them feel important. I know you talk about these principles with many of the people you work with. When you mention that one or you've worked with people on that, what are some of the things that people you've worked with or maybe even your, yourself that you've done, Allison, that, uh, that you've done differently as a result of thinking through that and making a unique and special experience for people? Well, one thing I'm currently doing right now is um, I'm, in the, well, I'm on day 12 of It's a Wonderful 90-Day Challenge. And so I always find, and you probably see this too, that people are so friendly and giving in December. And then January and February come and people don't you know, say, hey, how are you anymore? Or they don't give to charities. And so I thought it'd be fun to do a 90-day challenge. So I also keep that energy through the end of February. So for, and I'm just doing random stuff. Like um, I gave my recycling man a big blow-up tiger and a Starbucks tiger yesterday. <laughs> He's like, whoa, what was this? <laughs> then at my nice. gym yesterday uh, in the evening, I found the guy who was working out the hardest, and I had bought a small Power Ranger, and I gave it to him, and I said, you know what? You just won the Power Ranger Award because you work out harder than anyone. Now, these people are like, what are you doing? And these are people I don't know. Uh-huh. But to make someone's day in something that's unique and kind of crazy is fun because people remember it. And so to bring smile, you know, to, to strangers. And I also heard that about a lot of these people, um, the funerals that I went to, it's just, it's bringing joy to people. So not only do I do that, I do crazy things like this actually quite often, but I also make time to do unique things for my clients and encourage my clients to also do these things for their associates. Oh, I love that. I love that. Is that, is that something you've created on your own or are you following a, a system or a plan or how, did, how do you come up with those ideas? You know what? I, am, I have a little bit different brain. <laughs> so I made that up. Um, awesome. I was standing in Starbucks and I saw something that said something like, it's a wonderful, I don't even know what their campaign is right now. It's a wonderful something. And I thought, hey, it's a wonderful 90-day challenge. And it just hit me. So I thought this would be fun to do. And uh, one thing, I worked with a, a division of Kroger and it's called Fred Meyer here in the Northwest. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were able, yeah. So we were able to get the highest score of engagement out of all of Kroger and we did it by really creating a unique, fun environment in their stores. So I did this project over three years ago with them. But to this day, they still do three flash mobs a day in their stores. So they, they say, hey, it's Owl Pride. And their associates come up front and they dance. And the customers get the experience. And by creating that fun, unique energy, they have exceeded their scores, not only with the customers, but also with each other because it's just something that people are not expecting. Wow, that's awesome. And I love how you bring your personality into it. And I and I think one of the things that you know, a lot of us who do coaching with others is we really try we want people to be who they are. 
And right. and so, um, you know, w- one of the things I think is great about this is you've you've chosen something you just love to do, you know, like the dancing and the energy. I mean, you make that a part of who you are and the challenges you create. And and I, I hope that those listening will, that's something unique and special that that each one of us can find something in ourselves that we do that's unique and special and tap into that and then have the courage to be able to reach out and do that for others. Uh, you know, that's, that's such a cool thing when we bring ourselves into our relationships with others in, in a unique way. Right. And it, you know, and it also can be really basic because I don't like to scare people that they have to go buy these crazy dolls and give them away to strangers. But I encourage, I work with a car dealership who has over 900 associates there. And I, I'm really into sticky notes. And I said, you know what, just if you write a quick sticky note to someone about something that they did well that you work with, I promise you it could make their day. And they're like, ah, we don't believe you. And I said, all right, just try this. So I go back, I work with them every quarter. I go back and I'm looking around from the technicians to the people in the office and they have these saved sticky notes up there. So it can be as simple as, because people, as you know, from being Dale Carnegie, people crave appreciation more than anything. So It's these little things that we can do. And also in your personal life, dry eraser markers, writing something to your children or your roommate or your spouse on your mirror can make someone's day. So it can be really basic, but it's taking the time to make people feel important. Well, speaking of time, the fourth principle is make time for important people in your life, which uh, tell me about the funeral that uh, you learned this lesson from. Yes. So this was kind of a theme throughout the funerals that I went to because some of the funerals, as anyone who's ever been to a funeral, you've heard this before. It's saying, I wished I would have fill in the blank. You know, a lot of times that I wish I would have told this person this before they had actually died. I wish that I had called them when I thought of calling them. So it's, it's to be thinking about who do you really need to make time for and do it now. So we, I heard a lot of stories about how glad people were that they did make time. So for an example, this one woman, um, she was invited to go to the beach with her friend and she thought, you know, I had a lot to do, but I decided to go with her and thank goodness she did because it was within a year that this woman had died. Mm. So it's, it's to make time for those people. Um, my aunt is in, in New York right now and she has MS. And so I just made time the first week of December to actually go spend some time with her. So it's, it's not, it, you're going to have regrets because we all know, unfortunately, that we're all going to die one day, Dave. And so who do you need to make time for? So we always say like, oh yeah, I should go see this person. But if you don't make time now, when will you? So to get your listeners to really be thinking about, and even maybe to jot down a couple names of, you know what, I need to see these three people in 2015. Yeah. And cause otherwise you never do. And right. It, you know, it, and I hate to be morbid, but you know what? The, this is, I was reading an article online this week. It was an article about a funeral director. It was a really interesting article and I should send it to you. Um, but it, yeah. it was, it was all about one of the, the, the opening of the article was all about, you know, we are all headed for this destination. And mm-hmm. very few of us spend any time thinking about it or thinking about the big picture things on what we want our life to have looked like when we get there, whenever that is. And and we live in the moment sometimes a little too much is, you know, we respond to the needs of the day or, and we don't do things like, you know, who are the three people I really need to connect with this year and this coming year? And then a year's gone by and then five years have gone by 
And then we end up having those regrets more so than we could if we had just spent a little bit of time being more intentional about it. Mm-hmm, definitely. Number five, you say, bring your courage to the forefront. So anyone who reads obituaries knows that most of the time it's not stated how this person had died. And so when I went to the funerals, um, some of the ways that these people died were very surprising to me. But a lot of them had suffered at the end of life, whether it would be through cancer or some other diseases. And I heard so many people stand and talk about the courage that these people had the how humble they were, how kind they were. So even at their end of their life, when they are suffering, they kept this courage and this positive attitude. And when I walked out of every funeral, some people thought that's a very depressing project. And I said, it actually is inspiring because we still have a chance to live. Mm. But it also would remind me when I'm when I'm around some people, and um, let's say you're talking to someone in line at the coffee shop or whatever, and they complain about things. And I had just been to a couple of these funerals and I'm thinking, why are you complaining, whether it be about the traffic or the weather, about these trivial things, and yet these people who had gone through these horrific things still had the ability to keep this courage and this positive attitude. So if everyone could think about how could you have a little bit more courage in your life, and it could be courage to do something you've always wanted to do, as crazy as skydiving to... Um, you know, trying a new food or getting promoted to a a new position in your company. But it's having the courage now to face life and do things differently. And it could be changing your attitude or changing something about your life. But I was very struck by how much courage these people had at the end of their lives. Mm. I'm so glad you said that. And boy, there is nothing for a person's perspective than to go to a funeral of someone you cared about, Um, you Mm -hmm. know, it it any time that has happened in my life, I, I am struck by how it really does get you thinking about exactly that. Like how do I have this perspective to that I you know, I miss this person and I'm grieving for them. And how do I take whatever lessons I've learned from this person's life and also what I do in the future with the time that I have left? And uh I, I think if I think that's a really healthy thing for us to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, I know, and what- you know it's, it's interesting. Uh, I was just going to say my financial planning uh, clients remind me that 80% of people do not have a will. So a lot of this culture, we aren't even dealing or thinking about death, not alone planning for it. So if you become more intentional about what you want to do while you're alive, but also, you know, just have it on your forefront, it's going to make a, dig- a big difference on and how you actually live your life. Well, speaking of which, I know you have some resources for folks who would like a little more perspective on this. Uh, One of the things I'd encourage everyone to do is to check out your book, uh, which again is, What Will They Say? 30 Funerals in 60 Days. So I'm going to put a link to that here in the show notes and in the weekly update that'll go out to everyone on Wednesdays who's on that. Uh, But you have another resource for folks, Allison, uh, which I think people may want to tap into, which is, uh, is the the Cliff Notes version the right way to say it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's a little booklet. It's called The Leader Who Never Dies. And I do a lot of keynote speaking all over the country and and I use these as one of my tools. So it's a small guide. And if they're familiar with the Dale Carnegie Golden Book, it's a little bit bigger than that. Um, It's about 80 pages. But there's places in there that you can start to write, you know, what do you want to do while you're still alive? So it's 
it's, it could be as big as, you know, trips to Italy, to going to a restaurant, perhaps calling a friend. Um, there's places to write about your own strengths, who you've influenced, different goals that you actually want to set. And it's a wonderful tool. Actually, it's great timing to use in January to really reset your brain on how do you want to live differently this year and actually writing it down. So you and I both know that writing things down and telling other people, you have a much better chance of actually succeeding and hitting that goal. So it's just, it's a great tool. Plus there's a bunch of quotes and motivating positive fuel for your brain in these booklets. Awesome. And uh, that, that sounds like a fabulous resource. Uh, what's the best way for people I'm gonna to- I'm going to send you one, Dave. I would love that. That would be great. Um, <laughs> and I, I think you said there's a way folks could get access to that too. Uh, what's what's the best way if they wanted to, someone wanted to tap into that to uh, get a copy? Sure. Yeah. So we ship them out of Oregon and they can email me at allison at allisonclarkconsulting.com. And that's two L's and Allison with an E on Clark. Okay, great. Perfect. So uh, get an email to Allison. And don't worry if you're listening in the car on the road, uh, we will have I'll have that in the show notes and make sure that goes out on the Wednesday update as well. So you can reach out to Allison and and grab one of those books. Allison, what a great project. Um, You know, I'm so grateful for your time and just taking time to, um, you know, really be an inspiration for us, uh, especially this time of the year and thinking about the new year and, uh, and, helping us to live without regrets. So thanks so much for your time and your resources. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Allison Clark is the author of the book, What Will They Say? 30 Funerals in 60 Days. Thanks, Allison. Two final actions for you in thinking about this episode today. First and foremost, I'm so glad to get introduced to Allison this week, and she has such a unique and positive perspective on how to make the most of your own planning and also for your organization. So if you're looking for someone who's a great speaker for your organization, I certainly would encourage you to check her out as a resource. And of course, all her contact information will be on the show notes and the weekly leadership report this week that all of you get on Wednesdays. Secondly, I want to share with you my goal-setting process for 2015. I mentioned in the interview that we get to the end of the year a lot of times, and we wonder where the time has gone. And I have certainly had that happen, and I've had it happen more than once, uh, a number of years in the past. And last year, I was struggling with this at the same time, too, of trying to figure out what was I going to do for planning and what had I done in the last year And I noticed that Michael Hyatt, who has a podcast called This Is Your Life, had created a course called Five Days to Your Best Year Ever. And now Michael Hyatt has one of the most professional and trustworthy brands on the internet today, and he doesn't do anything halfway. Uh, Bonnie and I have both purchased products from him before and have been really pleased with what we've gotten. And I've recommended his show a number of times in the past and to people I speak with, uh, but when I saw this course, I I was interested in it, but I kind of hesitated last year, uh, mostly because my ego got in the way. <laughs> After all, I do a leadership podcast, right? So I was thinking, well, I should know how to set my own goals. But you know, when I really thought about it, I realized I haven't had a lot of success of doing that for myself in a structured way and following through on what I know I should do. 
So I purchased the course because I knew if I made the investment that it would really motivate me to go through the process. And I'm so glad that I did. I set 10 goals during that course last year. Six of the 10 goals I absolutely accomplished and big check marks on those. Two of them are still in progress at the time I'm recording this. I probably won't fully finish them by 2014, but I feel good about the progress I've made. And on the final two, I fell completely flat on my face. So, <laughs> But that's a lot better than what I've done in previous years. And I actually think that's kind of a good place to be is, you know, we should set goals that stretch us and we may not necessarily always get to, but are going to push us forward. And I was asked earlier this month if I'd like to participate in joining Michael's team to get the word out about the course this year. And I was thrilled to be asked because I was already planning to purchase the course again. And I want to invite you to join me this year in participating in making your 2015 your best year ever and to consider Michael's course as an option for doing that. So here's what you get if you join the virtual course. Um, he's going to walk you through this process of helping you identify what's getting you stuck and holding you back from achieving the things that matter most to you. And the course is really masterful at laying the groundwork for your best year ever by having you look at the previous year and leveraging the lessons you've learned to achieve success. And that really struck me as really helpful last year when I went through this process, because oftentimes when we think about goal setting at the beginning of the year, we think about what do we want to get, but we don't necessarily go back and think, okay, what didn't work in the past and why didn't that work? And really examining that so we don't repeat the same mistakes we've made in the past. So he provides this great template for creating your seven to 10 goals, and then knowing what to pursue first. And he also includes seven actions that you need to take in order to guarantee that this will be your best year ever. It's a five-day virtual course. It takes about 30 minutes a day, and I found that to be absolutely true when I did it last year. Um, you can start those five days whenever you want during the holiday season once you register for the course. Um, I've already registered, and I'm starting my five days on December 26th, but you don't need to pick the date. Uh, you can start whenever you want. The individual study course is $197, but there's an early bird discount between now and the end of the day on Thursday, December 18th. And that early bird discount is $147. So I mentioned I've already purchased mine, and I'm inviting you to join me on this journey as well. If you decide you'd like to learn more and watch the video about the course and learn more about the benefits, here's where you'll want to go. Coachingforleaders.com slash best2015. And I've joined Michael as a formal affiliate for this program. So if you use that link, uh, he'll pay us a commission to thank us for introducing the course to you. Now, the cost to you is the same either way, but I want to be fully transparent that we're benefiting if you elect to participate as well. And I'm making that recommendation to you because I know it's a great resource. I know how much I benefited from it last year, and I've already purchased the VIP version of the course this year, which you can also do. Uh, so I'm going to be there right there with you participating in this experience too. One more thing though, as a special bonus to you, if you decide to register for Michael's course and use that link, Bonnie and I are putting together a special podcast that will air in mid-January 
on our 2014 achievements and the 2015 planning that we've done, and just some overall coaching that we have on goal setting. And that will be a special audio episode that we're not going to air publicly, but we will be sending to those who join us for Michael Hyatt's Five Days to Your Best Year Ever course. So that's in addition to all the resources you'll get from him. And that's only available to you, Coaching for Leaders listeners. So if this has gotten you thinking, this conversation today about how to live without regret, and you're ready to follow a process that will help you make the most of 2015, here's where to go. Coachingforleaders.com slash best2015. And once you register, forward your receipt to us at feedback at coachingforleaders.com. That's how we'll know to send you the special bonus audio from Bonnie and me. And we'll deliver that to you in mid-January, a few weeks into the year, to help you stay on track for your best 2015. So again, coachingforleaders.com slash best 2015 and forward your receipt to feedback at coachingforleaders.com. I can't wait to join many of you on this journey. And thanks in advance if you decide to come along. And speaking of coming along, thank you to all of you who joined the Weekly Leadership Guide this past week. That is Erica Moore, Stephanie Hone, Swapnil Bakir, Ryan Daughtery, Yan Yen, L. Brody, Scott Smith, Craig Hayton, Ian Crocker, Carrie Solseth, Brent Roberts, Norton Gregory, Shane Gray, Sarah Fuiki, Helena Trudson, Anna Mahia Eid Korhonen, I hope I got that right, Jesse Boykin, Tom Colandrella, Gabriel Johansson, Krista Rep, and Girid Oberleitner. If you'd like to join the Wednesday Leadership Guide as well, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you'll get instant access to my guide on the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including the two books that I rely on weekly. And that Wednesday Leadership Guide also includes all of the show notes for every podcast I air, plus the best articles, books, audio, video, and resources that I found that will help you in your leadership development between the weekly shows. So if you want to tap into that as well, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe, and you'll be able to download that guide immediately. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope today's show was helpful to you. And I also hope you enjoyed Luke introducing the show today for the first time. He had a blast doing that. And I think about him a lot when I think about planning and our daughter, Hannah, and all the important things coming up in this year. And I hope that you will do that same thinking as well. Take care.